Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke, and this I'm is Pastor Cameron. This is Pastor Cameron. So, welcome to the Uncut Podcast, where we have uncut, honest conversations about Bible, theology, life, church, ministry, anything we feel like talking about, and uh, yeah, anything that strokes the passion or like that, you know, stokes the fire of our conversation and our kind of our mutual our our the things that we mutually like and agree with or are involved with. Yeah, or feel like just having an interesting conversation about. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking actually looking forward to and I'm not sure what topic it'll happen and probably be something that we don't expect where we're going to disagree. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm sure we if we dig hard enough and fast enough we could find something. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Maybe not definitely probably not on the big things, but on no. the smaller things. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we um, were thinking about talking about today is, um, you know, COVID, everything that happened in or began to happen in 2020, like this March will be like three years removed from the date that at least conduit, you know, said, Hey, we're going to pause in person services for a while. 2020 both feels far away and not far away at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like. I was reading a book the other day that was written, like written, published, distributed, and got into my hands all post COVID. Mm. And I was like, it doesn't seem like someone would have the ability to write a book, publish a book, sell and distribute a book, and get it into Cameron Linehart's hands. <laughs> In that amount of time, but it has been, you know, say three years Mm -hmm. and um, a lot has changed in the world or a lot had an opportunity to change through COVID and um, those changes were not absent from the church. They were, you know, they're prevalent in our church as well um, in all churches. And I, one of the ways, one of the things, or I think the, the primary thing that it really changed, that COVID really changed the landscape of in churches is the prevalence of or what seems like the necessity now mm-hmm. to have everything and anything that you can streamed online, yeah. offered online, um, so that the person who cannot be present in either the building or in the small group or at the Bible study or on a Sunday morning or whatever still has an opportunity to participate. Mm -hmm. Right. Stated in that kind of way, it feels like, uh, Oh my gosh, what, uh, what an opportunity Mm -hmm. to involve people, involve more people. Mm -hmm. Um, well, it's, you know, I don't know if I remember growing up in our church and when we had a, we had a cassette ministry. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those? I do. You yep. know, like they, they'd record the sermon on a cassette and then they'd duplicate a number of those cassettes and then they would hand them out to people. Yep. And, you know, that grew into, okay, well, if you don't have a cassette ministry, you're mm-hmm. not reaching your full potential or you don't have a CD ministry yep. or you don't have... um you know, a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of became at least the standard. Every church, pretty much everywhere, at least had to have an audio podcast of their 
of their sermon, you know, put it up sometime during the week on somewhere where they could listen to it. Mm -hmm. And then becoming more and more was like the standard was an audio podcast and a video recording Mm -hmm. were kind of the standards. Not every church had embraced video, Mm -hmm. but COVID like, it it like hit fast forward on the media trend in the church. And so now not only do we need to be recording and redistributing our sermons and maybe services in video and audio format, we need to be live streaming out into the world concurrently the service as it happens. Yeah. I remember, I think my first recollection of all of that was, um, I don't know what it would have been, what year would have been for you, but like I was like a freshman or sophomore in college and the church that I was attending in Rochester did what I thought was like an extraordinarily cutting edge thing where it was like you could order the sermon on CD Mm. and and then, like, so you would order it the Sunday that it was preached, like leaving church. Oh, that was a really good sermon. I want to, I want, I want that. And then, so you go to the window and you would order it. And then next Sunday, when you came back, it'd be ready for you, and so you could take it. And <clears throat> and I thought that that was just like that was incredible. Right. Like, oh my gosh, that we get to do this. Yeah. Um, and then I I still have upstairs in my office. I have in the lower. The lower drawer of uh-huh. my filing cabinet, I have the VHS tapes of like um, the first sermons that I preached as pastor. Yeah, I, I've got. I mean, this will date the different the difference mm-hmm. between when you and I were going through preaching classes. I have a thumb drive with mm-hmm. with the recordings of when I, you know, was preaching and yeah. stuff. So, like my very first Sunday as a pastor, mm-hmm. I have a VHS tape. You know, recording of it. I got no way to play it. I don't own a VCR. <laughs> I don't know anyone that does own a VCR. <laughs> but someday, you know, maybe we'll we'll get it onto a, some sort of digital copy. And I would I, actually, I don't know. That the, that sermon can probably just live in the catacombs of a VHS because there's probably not much good that's in it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was well, and you know, growing even growing up, like. Church on TV is not necessarily a new thing. No, it's not. It's it's a pretty old thing actually, mm-hmm. um, but it it existed in a really small or for a really small subset. Yeah, of churches mm-hmm. and personalities and people. Well, because the cost of entry was so expensive, so high. Right. Right. But like what we're doing right here, right, with this podcast, these microphones, the cameras that we're using, mm-hmm. the way we're recording and distributing it was a relatively low barrier of entry and like mm-hmm. like it's not that complicated. Like well, and and this is this is probably 10 times as complicated as what it actually has to be for churches all over the world right now oh. to get their services at least out you know right. you need a smartphone yeah and an internet connection which presumably every smartphone has and then you just need a platform and almost everyone has facebook and that's a primary way that most people are connecting connecting mm-hmm. you know that message out there and so it has taken you know, maybe let's say in the span of the last 
I think generously like 40 to 50 years, Mm -hmm. what has been something that has been reserved primarily for the biggest churches with the most resources um, and the most charismatic personalities to get their messages out there, get their services out there. And it's taken it down all the way to the smallest of little country churches Mm -hmm. who maybe typically wouldn't have a wide geographical impact um, with their message. And it's given them the opportunity to give people literally across the world access to what they're saying. Yeah. It's well, like I remember I was, I was pastoring as associate pastor in a church plant in Chicago prior and during 2020. And we, I've always been like a gadgety guy. I've always mm-hmm. been the like I love tech, I love sound. So, you know, I was making sure we had video recordings and audio recordings of like our service and like our sermons. And I I did do um the we did live streaming for a bit. Mm-hmm. And we were just running it off of like my little uh, I think it was my iPhone 5. And like just strapping it to this pole mm-hmm. with a GoPro mount and hitting mm-hmm. like go live. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were doing. And I think we ultimately we stopped doing it because, you know, so few people were, were tuning in live. And it was, but even with that simplicity, it was such a technical headache okay. that we were just like, eh, like, is this really worth it? Like we get the sermon out within so many hours of the, right? you know, like. You know, so we kind of we opted not to, but then, you know, maybe a year passes after we stopped live streaming, and that became the, the only way, way mm-hmm. in which we could do ministry in Chicago was uh, me and the senior pastor sitting side by side, kind of like this, staring into iPhones, mm-hmm. and 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 doing a whole like service, you know, like yeah. a little acoustic guitar and yeah. like. You know, it's one, it was amazing how much we were able to do given the constraints of not being able to meet together. But then it was also, it was like incredibly sad. Um, like, yeah. I hated that season. Like, yeah, was lonely. Thought, yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought that, like, in terms of that season for me, um, that, and, and I, I want to say that we, I don't think we live streamed only for very long. Mm-hmm. Not for certainly not not as long as many places did. Yeah. Um, I think we started live streaming or started going. We we suspended in person services. I think in the middle of March of 2020, mm-hmm. and then I want to say it was Father's Day. Okay. So June, yeah, beginning of June. So three three ish months, um, that we you know put a big tent in the front yard, mm-hmm. and then we literally worshipped underneath that tent for the next four months. Yeah. So uh, we were we we, but then we still live streamed out there too. Yeah, right. But I remember um, uh, actually one of the like one of the, and maybe this is a question that we come back to later. Um, but is, you know, when you said like, when you first started live streaming pre COVID it, you got to the point where it was like viewership was so low 
Yeah. That you had determined, like, this isn't worth it. I think we were getting maybe one person. Right. Um, th- and that for me is an interesting, like, philosophical marker. Yeah. Is like, at what point, at what point does it become worth it? Hmm. Yeah. You right. Know, at what point does it become worth it? Um, and so, you know, maybe there's a more appropriate time to come back to that question because we're, now we're digging into really kind of where the, like, at least the heart of the conversation is for me um, is, you know, we're, I think we're, we're, we're typically talking about live streaming and all of church being online, everything that we can, Bible studies, you know, yeah. whatever, well, we, we get, announcements and we get know. that question at any time we do any Anything. event. Any event, be on? ongoing thing, will it be live streamed? Will right. it be recorded? Will right. it like ex- will I be able to access it? Yeah, without being without being there? here, and and so so we 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 typically are we are typically having the conversation within the parenthesis of this is such a great thing, and um, like one of the guys that you and I know that you and I I don't know like how how hook, line, and sinker you take all the things that Craig Rochelle says or does, you know? Um, and uh, I mean, for those who are listening or watching who might not know who Greg, Craig Rochelle is, he's a, you know, probably one of the most influ- influential Christian pastors in the United yeah. States, maybe the world. Yeah. I right don't now. think he, I think he leads one of the most influential churches. churches yeah. I don't think he's like the best known preacher. I think that falls Definitely to not, a couple no. other people. But as far as what his church does, well, and probably his overall like leadership influence, right? Not necessarily his preaching influence, but yeah. his like leadership influence is, is probably is second to none. Yeah, that's that's where he's his significant. Right. So he he is someone that you pay attention to in the church world because often where they go, the world goes, or at yes. least the church world goes. And like for just for context, his church is the church that created the Bible app. Yes, the, the U version Bible app that you probably be, have on your probably phone. have on your phone mm-hmm. is the is what his church made and made publicly mm-hmm. free for everyone. Yeah. So like, and you, and you and I, we, I mean, I, I mean, I listen to his podcast every yeah, I month. I listen to all his interviews. I read pretty much all of his books. Um, and while it's impossible to really know him truly as a like person, you know, all signs point to genuine. Um, caring, faithful man of God, mm-hmm. um, pastor of the largest church in America. Yeah. So, um, but he is a big proponent of like, um, what one of his like catchphrase, catchphrases is if you want to reach people that no one is reaching, you have to do things that no one is doing. Yes. So, and so like his church, Life Church, um, based out of Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma is, you know, they have, I don't want to say they've pioneered, but they're certainly on like the front leading edge of doing things like virtual reality church, mm-hmm. you know? So like if yeah. you have an Oculus, you know? Right. Church in the metaverse. Church in the metaverse. I, you know, and and about how like he feels like it's important for Life Church to have a influence there or a mm-hmm. presence there or whatever. Um, and... I I mean, I'll go on record to say, you know, like I'm only 40 years old, you know? And so, um, 
but like I'm I'm a little bit of an old soul in terms when it comes when it comes to like technology and gadgets and stuff like that. Like I have the things that are really the gadgety things that I like, but they're not generally technological. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit of stuff like VR church and stuff like that I just don't understand and I, I don't get. And maybe that's on me. You know, I'm like I'm I'm asking it to do things without really understanding what it is actually is. Um, but anyway, so. This is something that I have, I think, a little bit of a fundamental disagreement with Craig about, um, because he, I think, would say, you know, like, church is in as many ways, in as many places, in as many environments, as many, um, like, uh, modalities as possible. Like, the more, the better. Yeah. Um, and while on the surface, I, like, of course, wouldn't disagree with that. Like, yeah, we want to reach the people that are in that are that are in the metaverse. In the metaverse, hiding away, hiding away there. I think it leaves some things out. Um, I think it leaves some some considerations out mm-hmm. um, that that the whole question that begs the question of like is is having is the the iteration of everything online in the church, every service, every Bible study, mm-hmm. small groups, all those things. Um, is it a good thing? Carte blanche. Carte blanche. Is it a good thing? Mm-hmm. Or is it sometimes good and sometimes bad? Or is it neutral? Um, and I have some thoughts on that. Um, but I'm a little curious as to what you would say about that being different, different, a little bit different personality for me in terms yeah. of like mm-hmm. the gadgety techno world right. type yeah. of thing. Cause I, I've got, I got an Oculus, you know, right. I don't, I don't spend much time in the metaverse. Um, but I've always been kind of like, let's see what we can do. And I, and, and even just my church background, I come from a very missionally minded church background, you know, like that's just like reach the people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like for me, I was kind of having this conversation pre COVID through like the church has been wrestling with this question, I think for a good decade or more, um, ever since the advent of, uh, screen preachers, Mm. the, the advent of having sites, right. Multi-site. And, Mm -hmm. uh, by, by that, I don't mean just like, you know, we talked about big churches that have multiple places where they meet. Um, and specifically, there's a whole bunch of different ways that that can be done, mm-hmm. uh, but specifically the way in which there's multiple places where one church meets and only one of those places has a physical in-flesh preacher. Yeah. The rest of the places have a, maybe a pastor on staff who does like announcements, mm-hmm. um, but then everybody looks up to a big projector screen and they're either watching- They tune in They too. tune in. Yeah to the main campus and they're watching either live streamed or slightly delayed or an hour off or whatever. Um, the sermon that the main primary usually well-known pastor was delivering. And that has become a, a fairly common model. Um, I don't know if it's sticking around, but like it, it's, it's been around for a while and um, was, I feel like has kind of that discussion around that modality of church has kind of gone to the background because of 
just the prevalence of streaming. Mm-hmm. But the question is, is like, is that different? Does it does it matter whether or not you are at like the main campus or you're, if you're at a satellite campus where the you're watching the screen preacher? And I like I have like a couple reflections on that, and and I think that points to where I kind of go with um, with streaming. And that's the first is that if you go to any of those churches, all of those churches don't have a live in-person preacher, but they almost always have live in-person bands. Mm-hmm. And if you were to like talk to someone and you were like, they were like, oh, like it doesn't make a difference that like, you know, that the preaching streamed. I'm like, okay, would it bug you if you went to the church and you had to watch on the screen the band play mm-hmm. and most people pre COVID mm-hmm. would say, Oh yeah, I don't want to do I, that. I don't want that. Yeah. Like that's, I want to actually be there with I wanna, the worship. I want to feel the emotion. I feel the emotion. Yeah. I want to, you know, like I want to, I want to, you know, I'm like, well, we can turn it up. Right. They're like, they're like, no, 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 no. Like I want to be in the room with the worst. Like there's like, that would be a pretty inco- common response for most people. And so what I would normally say if someone responded that way is so what you're telling me is, is that presence does matter. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that screen preaching's wrong, but it does, for me at least, point or indicate that there is something significant to being present. Yeah, it all, I think it also says something about the way that we view the different aspects of a worship service. Yeah. That that the worship is something that we want to participate in with people. The preaching is something that we want to receive as a piece of content. Yeah. Um, well, we've commodified preaching. Yeah, right. If anyone like, like you, maybe you, but mostly myself, like I at one point was consuming podcasts of oh, sermons yeah. like crazy. Oh, yeah. And outside of the context of churches, I've never attended to pastors. I've never mm-hmm. met people who never know me and I'm listening to their podcasts um, yeah, just there's, like I, there's some sermons I don't miss from yeah. preachers. It doesn't matter, you know. Like there's, I never miss an Andy Stanley sermon. I, I listen to every single one of his sermons. Do like, you really? I just love Andy Stanley. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. cracks me up. Um, so like, yeah. So, but we've been doing that for a long time, and so we've kind of acclimated to that. Yeah. And so maybe a screen preacher, or maybe streaming online the sermon. Like that doesn't feel so strange because we already kind of have been doing that with cassettes, CDs, podcasts. Um, and I even I think the same response is kind of held true for people who have watched church at home on YouTube, on Facebook through COVID this current season. Is most of them say like, yeah, like the the all the sermons fine, but like the thing I miss the most is like the worship, right? Um, which like we could go on a whole tangent there because I don't love referring to musical worship as worship, but like it's a it's a term we got to use for familiar. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, but like they miss the musical aspect. They miss singing corporately and being in the presence of that. Um, but they don't necessarily feel that quite as keenly with the sermons. I, I'm. I, I kind of think it's a little bit neutral, but I. I think it's a little bit of context, reason, intention, um, a little bit of calling, too. Really? Uh, maybe. Like I think. Like some people. Like 
I can look at a pastor and I can say, like, all right, the way that you're executing ministry is not the way I would execute ministry. And that's got to do with my personality. It's got to do with, like, um, what I feel like I'm particularly called to do, the way I feel convicted about doing ministry. But, like, if it particularly it's, like, a secondary issue, mm-hmm. like, it's not for me. Like, you know, I – but I could say, like, I – like. Like Craig Rochelle, like VR, like VR Church is something I probably I just, eh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't like, mm-hmm. and but I would kind of just like say like I don't know that, so I would kind of put See, it that here's way. Here's my thing though: it's like I don't know, and I don't know. I'd be willing to bet, Craig, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, send us a comment, and let us know which one it is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know that Craig would say that he feels personally called to engage in that type of pastoral ministry. I think that what he would say is that a foundational, a foundational theology of the church would lead us to believe that that's an area that we have to be in. Mm. And I think there's a distinction there. Yeah. Um, Because if we, if we approach the issue with a, no, like the church should be in all places in all ways in as many ways, you know, like in as many environmental modalities as it can, then it doesn't doesn't really like personal calling. Then really doesn't matter. Doesn't function into the equation. Right. It should be a. It, it, it then it becomes a question like, well, not Craig. Why are you in VR? Why are you in the metaverse? The 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 question gets reversed on us. Is like, well, why aren't you? Mm. You know why aren't you? If it's a if it's more if it's about personal calling, I think that that worries me a little bit because then then we're talking about like you know much of ministry or at least that aspect of ministry is leveraged against the personality of mm. the one at the helm, um, and yeah, that could take the church in a very positive direction into. Mm-hmm into areas of ministry that are really important and valuable, but it can certainly, we've all seen it do the opposite where a church is like a dog with a bone on a pet project that just is like, just reeks of dishonor to the Lord. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I wonder, I wonder about the question of like whether or not it is, it is calling or you know how how it functions in terms of the nature of the church and it's maybe a little bit of an unfair question to ask or an unfair question to come hard down on a singular answer because i don't i don't even think it's a fair question to ask well would jesus if jesus had access to facebook and streaming equipment would the sermon on the mount be live streamed <laughs> i think that's an interesting question you know <laughs> you know yeah. would he live stream his teaching yeah. um it's fun. I think it's fun to have conversation about like conjecture around that. Mm-hmm. What would you know? WWJD? What would Jesus do? Yeah. But it, that's really all it is. Is it's yeah. conjecture. You know, you don't. You, you, we couldn't. We couldn't say with any form of like authority that you know this is definitely what Jesus would do. Yeah. Um. It's like you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. So. Well, I you know like. Maybe to push a little bit, like let's like I had a friend, he was a communications guy, and he, he was always telling me he's like, Luke, medium is the message. 
So he was always just like, like, and he meant it kind of in, not in a, an embracing way, but like in a, like the medium through which you transmit a message, if it's not appropriate, will override and destroy the message. If you're communicating it through a. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. And so like, there is like podcasts, videos, like watching on a screen, like is a, it's a pretty like information transfer that way. Yep. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And like, if we were to just say, if we were to kind of maybe take all the different aspects of a Sunday service and say, um, and say like kind of classify up kind of different parts of the service and say, well, the sermon is probably the most information heavy involves the mind. Yeah. And so it was probably maybe just like, again, I'm looking at this. I'm not asking any spiritual questions right now. I'm asking like hyper practical questions. Mm -hmm. The, the message itself is probably pretty format, well suited to that medium. Mm -hmm. The worship not quite so well because it's it's meant to be participatory mm-hmm. and it's hard for us all not to feel like we're like kind of watching blues clues or Dora the Explorer. The map, the map, right? When we're like trying to like that's my experience. I don't know. Some people like love worshiping along on te- television. That's fantastic. I have a really hard time with it. I feel like I'm like participating with blues clues. Yeah. Um and so like for me it participating in musical worship over a screen is near impossible for mm-hmm. me. Um because the screen is primarily a receiving it's not participatory. It's voyeuristic. It's, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so having asked no spiritual questions in that, just talk thinking like practicality about the content and the way we want people to interact with it. There's the, the the sermon does lend itself to the medium of streaming, recording, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But that does bring back to a question of like, does does physical presence matter enough? Like, I don't know. Like, is there like I want to hear your thoughts. I've been doing a lot of the talking, but I want to hear your thoughts now. Like, is there is attending church online just as good as attending church in person? No. Okay. Like categorically, no. Um, and I would say like the, the reason, the reason that I would say no to that is um, because I think it is, it is impossible to overstate the importance of, um, personal relationship with other believers in a person's journey of faith mm-hmm. with Christ, Christian faith. Um, to backtrack a little bit into like piggybacking on what you said, there are always going to be certain mediums of or aspects of, let's say, I'm just talking about Sunday worship that are more suited or more appropriate for the medium of capture mm-hmm. and send out right because they do as a standalone they do function in a way that can be probably useful but i think that says also a few things about 
and, and I, I don't think you're not saying this. Yeah. You no, know? I'm. I'm. Yeah. Ki- I am. I'm only revealing kind of half of my hand. Here. Sure. Right. I. I. Um. That it maybe betrays a little bit of the way that in general we approach and view the worship service as a whole. Yes. Or the gathered community, but um, we've. I think we've underplayed. We've underplayed our hand in you know modern Christianity at the importance of um, the lived experience of doing mm-hmm. doing the Christian faith, walking the Christian walk, living the Christian life alongside others, and we've been slowly over a long period of time, but it seems like in the past decade or so, like we've supercharged the reality of more and more personal isolation mm-hmm. from one another that has created a a break in actual like person to person relationship mm-hmm. right um that i mean we you know, look no further than like the comment section on any social media post or any youtube article or any YouTube video or news article or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And even myself feel more free to say things that are out of character yeah. for me on that, in that medium, than I would if something that I'm commenting on y- you right now, right? right, Or anyone else that's in like actual personal, physical proximity and relationship with. Mm-hmm. And so, so the growing the growing chasm of actual physical presence and actual physical relationship takes, I think sometimes our character to a place of not seeing other people as actual people, Mm -hmm. you know, and just makes them kind of like things out there. Right. And I think if I were to like, if I were to distill everything maybe down into one, you know, primary thought as it as it comes as, as it pertains to like is the streaming revolution of everything a good, bad, or neutral thing? I think that it, there there are aspects of it that are good, but I would say that there needs to be a heavy, heavy, very, very serious warning for the church to not cheapen um, actual physical human mm-hmm. eye to eye face to face hand to hand all the voices in one room um community with one another right yeah. um and, and i think we could we could do some work even theologically to to trace back the 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 meaning and the usage of the, both the greek and hebrew words that they used to communicate like a community of faith or a called out people never imagined that they would be, that they would live in isolation and see that as like a suitable a suitable um, uh, substitute substitute mm-hmm. for the actual like gathered community where we do sing in one voice and we do have one faith one baptism one savior and God and God and father over us all. Um, and, um, and so, you know, there, I mean, candidly, 
there there have been times where I've considered as pastor as a pastor here at Conduit at least of saying you know like I I, I would not not because it's practically difficult because we make we can make it happen but but from a philosophical or theological standpoint like saying are we doing a disservice to the nature of and to the nature of actual Christian community by saying, oh, if you can't be with us, just watch here. It's like, it's the same, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Um, and there are, I, I mean, we had this conversation, we've had this conversation before in, in regards to like watching our live streams and seeing who comments and seeing, you know, hearing people say at some point you know, out at the coffee shop, oh, I watched you guys online this week. Yep. And we're like, we had no idea. We had no idea that yeah. this person was watching. No. You know? Yeah. And it, it leaves me saying, it leaves me saying like being like almost like hyperventilating in my soul about like, like I feel the weight of, I feel the weight of responsibility for pastoral leadership in their mm-hmm. lives without ever knowing who they are right without never looking them in the eye mm-hmm. and i feel like they're just looking through like just looking through like a, a peephole in the door of actual authentic christian community no others who say you know who live up here in jamestown will say hey you know what church do you go to and they're like oh i watch a church down in florida every sunday yep that's becoming more and more like my pastor is in florida like no, your TV show is hosted in Florida. Yeah. But where is your community? Right. Well, if we were to put this, like, if we were to rewind five years and we were to ask somebody, what's your church? And they would say, oh, such and such pastor on television at 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, anybody of any, like, real theological understanding of what the church is would say, no, it's not. Right. Right. That's not your church, Right. Mm, right, right. We, right. Church is not a building. Mm-hmm. Church is not a live stream. Church is not a channel you subscribe to. Church is a community made up of people that, that, that you know, that you know, <laughs> that know you, yes. that gather together, worship Jesus, and practice the sacraments. Yeah. Like and go out on mission. Go out on mission. Yeah. That is the ecclesiology one hundred and one. One hundred and one. Yeah. Right. And so the. Like now we're a little bit more accepting of maybe an answer we would not have swallowed five years ago. Right. Right. Um, there is like I just don't want it to be I just don't want it to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. You know. Well, so there was something interesting that happened right when COVID struck. So I, I, I've done counseling. I've done counseling for a lot of years and like personal counseling for me. I'm not counseling people. I'm in coming in receiving counseling. And during COVID, right, couldn't could no longer meet in person with my counselor at the time, and we switched to doing online counseling. Tele telehealth, telehealth, telehealth. has become like a massive thing, right, because of COVID. Um, but I remember switching from doing in person counseling with my counselor and switching to doing. I think we were doing Zoom at the time. Everybody was on Zoom. Um, I had to, I received a waiver from the counseling center and from my counselor I had to sign. And part of that waiver included that I acknowledged 
that the therapeutic benefit of being counseled online was not as significant mm. or was to going to be to a lesser degree than when I was meeting with my counselor in person. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that that's tied to some study. I'm not a counselor, but mm-hmm. assuming that that statement is tied to a study, that physical, actual presence with a counselor has been shown to prove uh, to provide better care uh, better therapeutic results than over a screen. And I, I like I had to sign a legal thing acknowledging that that was a fact and that I knew I was going to get a subpar counseling. Sim- not because my counselor was changing or I was changing. What we were talking about was changing. Nothing changed except for the fact that we weren't in the room um, together anymore. And, and obviously for them to have that document ready and for you to sign, like – it, it's been a well-established principle yes. that the physical presence of another human being in the room with you is a therapeutic advantage over right. staring at a computer screen. So if it matters in counseling, by golly, it ought to ma- matter in how we worship. I would think so. It's kind of at least my argument there. I, you know, so I'll, I'll reveal my whole position. I think that streaming recording, all of that is best in, is great as a substitution when we can't have the actual thing. Mm -hmm. So if we have, if, if I'm, if we have someone who's quarantining, we have someone who's maybe a shut in, um, someone who's unable to be physically present. They're sick. They're sick. They're traveling. They're sick. They're traveling. Right. Live streaming the service is the best thing you can have. Agreed. I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I would still maybe like if you're traveling, my preference would be for you to just participate in another church that you ha- that if you're if you can while you're traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's benefit to that. I think you know we get to see with different eyes, different how different congregations. I think that's beneficial. But but live streaming, like that's the sec, that's the best thing that you can get apart from actually being physically present for church. And then there's that. I I see that as an appropriate, okay usage of it. I see also it functioning as a front door to a lot of people prior to COVID. I know that like the, I think the statistic was somewhere like people would watch three to five sermons of a church before they would come and step foot in for the first physical in present person visit they would come mm-hmm. that that was like if you were going to go looking for a church looking for a place to come you're exploring faith before you ever came to a church you were listening to a couple of sermons you were just trying to get all the information you could out of the website trying to build up a lot of confidence and then come in and so now live streams service recordings all of that functions as a front door as it were, of mm-hmm. a bit of an entryway of saying, okay, well, before I like, you know, get up early, get myself put together, like, why don't I just see what this church is about and see if there's like, okay, well, like, because, you know, you can go to a di- gazillion different church websites. They all have the same thing yeah. on the I believe statement. Yeah. They all have the same mission statements. Yeah. Like, it's all the same. So, like, when you're actually genuinely looking for a new church, you can like, see it. Like what do the people wear? What do the what's, people wear? What's the culture, the demeanor right. there in the right. room? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, like, and and that's what I did when I was 
when I was job hunting or when I've been, when I've moved and I've needed to find own, my own personal church. Like I, I went through their websites, went through their social media, and I tried to find as much as I could about the church before I would like take a whole Sunday to go. Because if you like, if you visit four different churches and trying to find a church that you're going to make a home, that's a whole month of like, cause it's not like you can go to like five churches on a single Sunday yeah. physically. Mm-hmm. So I, I, so I see all of that as like somewhat, I, I can see that as a positive value added, but the area in which I become vastly uncomfortable is the perpetual. I have the opportunity to be at church. They live five minutes away, but they're just sitting on the couch. Yes. Yeah. And, or they live 20 hours away and there's a church down the right. street. I, 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 you know, I, I would, and I've, I've talked with people who were over in countries where, um, faithful churches are hard to find. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and my recommendation to someone in that situation is find the best church you can find and supplement maybe with another church, but don't, don't make an online church your home mm-hmm. if you can. Yeah. Like I, I just, I, I think being with people physically taking communion, which like is its own like whole topic of like, you know, we the Christian world in which we live in and the church type of churches that you and I come from, like, Preaching's the significant thing that happens on Sunday, but for the large mass majority of history, communion, communion yeah. was the single most important thing that happened on a Sunday. Well, it was the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah, you know that the that the Eucharistic liturgy was right. and is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus right. Christ to people. In yeah, you have to be physically present. You have to be physically present. Yeah, I want to be. I like, and I think it should. Be, you know, I want to work extra hard to be clear here that this is not a treatise against online things. No, we're not. In as in as much as it is like, it's kind of defaulting to that because what I'm actually trying to say is my main point is not that like technology bad. You know, <laughs> um, right? What I'm saying is that there is. If you are a person who earnestly and genuinely desires to follow Jesus closely, to grow in your faith, um, that there is there is no substitute for the physical presence of the community of faith. Mm-hmm. There's no there is no substitute for um, you know re- relationships are the currency for change. Yeah. Like they are the they they are the place where change happens. Yes. Um and uh and there's no there's there's just there's just no substitute for that. And so as a person or as a pastor who who like with all of my being and with all of my life and with all of my energy and gifts and all of that all of my calling wants to see people genuinely transformed to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ, to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to serve like Jesus, it leads me to a place of saying, 
yes, online everything has its benefits. However, there is no substitute for participating in a community of faith. It's it becomes like the church becomes a laboratory for how to live like mm-hmm. Jesus lived, how to love like Jesus loved, right. how to serve like Jesus served. It's impossible to know how to forgive if you're never around, if you're never around people who could hurt you. Or people who need to be forgiven. Right. right. It's impossible to know how to serve, how to how to humble yourself in service before the Lord. Um uh, without without surrounding yourself with people who who you may consider to be lesser than you, right? Or that that you have an opportunity to serve. It's impossible to know how to live like Jesus in isolation because Jesus lived in relationship. Mm-hmm. He lived in in relationship with people who betrayed him, who loved him, who caused problems for him, who served him whom he served. And so if we are going to if we are going to pursue life, love and service like Jesus did, then you know, we we need to be in in relationship with others and like yeah, the the church is messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the church is not all, well, you know, because that's one of the questions like I was going to pose to you is like what would you as, you know, like as a pastor, what would you say to someone who said, you know, like, uh, you like, no, I think this is good enough for me to just sit home and watch. Like, I suppose this is like getting a little bit into maybe another topic about like church hurt mm-hmm. and like the reasons, the reasons why someone would choose to stay home, to stay home rather than to be in relationship or community yeah. with others, what would you say maybe to a person? It's probably, that's probably a pretty long answer, but yeah, I mean, briefly, I would just say like, if I was talking to an actual flesh human being, right, I'd have a pastoral response. Sure. I would, I would say like, tell me about, I, honestly, what I would want to do is I'd want to just like, tell me your story. Mm-hmm. And, and in telling their story, I would want to like hear the hurt, Mm-hmm. I want to receive it. I want to hold it. I want to do all of those things. I want to even apologize. I want to maybe speak truth. What would Jesus say? What would have Jesus have rather the church have done? Right? All of those things. Um, but in doing that is illustrating the very point of the church. Right? If I have this conversation with somebody and they're like church hurt and I talk with them and I apologize and I seek to point them to Jesus amidst that hurt. And if that's effective, well, the thing is, is that the reason that happened is because we sat down and we had a conversation face to face. The point of the church is that like they, they're not getting that. The, the thing that hopefully at the end of that conversation, my prayer would be that they would feel a little bit of healing, a little bit of like recognition maybe a, a little bit of um, balm on that wound. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it from watching church online. No. They got it from the physical administration of someone who is prayerfully trying to be Jesus to them in that moment. 
that's what church is. The, the place where you experience healing, restoration, and, and redemption for the hurt that you've experienced in church can only happen in church, not by yourself. And also, uh, the, the greatest command, right, right, commandments of love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself cannot fully be done by yourself. You can't love your neighbor as yourself without your neighbors. Do you think there's room in this conversation to bring in some form of like incarnational theology? Yes. So, (laughs) I mean, that's like the core of what we're, that's the deeper core of what we're. Of ecclesiology. Really? So yeah. Like, so the idea there then would be that, you know, God in his sovereignty and in his transcendence could have by divine fiat right do this said this arranged the pieces of life and eternity in a certain way and then just been like hands off yeah isolated mm-hmm. from humanity right right yeah, like like if we if we take God's omnipotence, His all powerfulness, mm-hmm. His control of all things, yeah. God could have snapped His fingers, said humanity is saved. Yeah, or this is what's going. Yeah, like this, 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 right. or this. Like, right, salvation, forgiveness. Right, and, right. He could, and He could have been done. Yeah. But instead, instead became human. He became flesh. Right, exactly. The Eight. fullness, of, as Paul says in Colossians one, like the fullness of God was wrapped up in who Jesus was. You know, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen, uh, we have seen the one and only, we have seen his glory, the one who comes from the father, full of grace and full of truth. Um, And so there was a, there was a unsatisfactory relationship in transcendent isolation Mm -hmm. between God and creation. It was not satisfactory. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, God, you know, satisfied the isolation, right? That is brought about by sin, right? And and offered offered his very presence in his son Jesus mm-hmm. to walk with us, to be with us. And, you know, through faith in Jesus, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, like the relationship between us and our Heavenly Father, between right. God and us can be, you know, like it's it's intrinsically like inseparable yeah through the indwelling of the holy spirit so i think that there's even like a the 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 deeper i think god gives us an example that life is built for relationship Mm -hmm. close relationship not isolation and that while you may have relationships in other places. Well, I, I have relationships at work or my family or whatever, right? Um, that again, there is no substitute for the relationships that we have and the unity that is that is proclaimed through a common faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, it, I mean, the early like we'll go super like like. The early church, one of the big things that's in the New Testament, it's not, I don't think it's, it's not named uh, using the term Gnosticism, but that's what a lot of Paul's letters are addressing, Addressing, is this early 
Christian heresy called Gnosticism. Mm. The simplest way of describing that is simply that like the spiritual is more important than the physical, yeah. right? That we need to somehow escape, this world. escape the physical body yeah. to become spiritual beings. And the funny thing is, is that we've kind of forgotten how much the early church fought against that heresy. And we are Gnostic. Or we're, ne- or we're just never told. Or we're just yeah. never told, right? Yeah. Like for some people listening, they might just be like, what is Gnosticism? Yeah. Um, you spell it with a G, actually. <laughs> G-N-O-S-D-I-C. Right. right. So it, it's an old heresy, but like it's it's very prevalent. Like we, we, we are, me and you often use the term of like, we're not just brains on sticks. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the way that like church ministry is done and the reason the reason we don't feel comfortable with someone just choosing to exist in an online church way is because you're not just a brain receiving information. Mm-hmm. You have a heart, you have a soul, you have a physical body. God created all of those things, is redeeming all of those things. And at the end of all things, we will have physical bodies. Mm-hmm. Or something also to be reminded of is that Jesus Christ right now has a physical body. Has a physical body. Jesus didn't become spirit again. He remains his physical body with his physical wounds. His body was resurrected. Right. The resurrection is the bringing back of what was physical into existence. So physicality matters. Touch matters. Touch matters. Mm -hmm. And by choosing, knowingly choosing to disembody ourselves through technology – is unincarnating the church. Yes. Yep. Like that's a really harsh way of saying it, but I think it's a true way of saying it. I agree. So, but I, I just to kind of like bring us back to what I think is kind of the core here is not so much that you and I are taking a bat to all technology or to mm-hmm. streaming itself. No. No. What we're, we're we're hoping to do, and maybe this con- I think the clarity that this conversation's maybe created for both of us is that what we are advocating for is a positive, clear understanding of presence, space, and and the physicality of the church. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that we don't want people to ever watch a church online for mm-hmm. any reason. Mm-hmm. It's that we want people to understand. Why being here, being together is important, beneficial, healthy, like, and necessary for being the church. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, it's not, I don't want to poo poo all technology because it's. We're using it now. Yeah, you're you're listening to it because because of it, right? Mm -hmm. And and we'll press the, we'll press the go button on the live stream this weekend. And Mm -hmm. like, we're, you know, talking about options for Bible study you know, capture and so mm-hmm. that we have that content. And so it's not that it is once again, like uh, I'm not seeking to devalue the use of technology in worship in particular. I'm seeking to elevate the understanding and the importance and the priority of the, of physical presence in the community of faith as a way in which to, experience the presence of God with those mm-hmm. who are walking, seeking to walk with Jesus to um, receive in an incarnational way, not just a content way Yeah, to yes. receive in an incarnational way, the proclamation of the gospel um, 
and to live in relationship with others who are in the community of faith. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I think that's plenty for today. I think yeah, that that's a, a little bit of content. Um, you know, it. Of course, there's lots of nuanced perspectives on this. Yes. You know, um, there's a hundred hundred different things you could disagree in about that, um, and and that's fine. Um, like you know, the whole purpose of the podcast is uncut. You know, not. Okay. You know, we we can't deal with every single nuance, although we may understand them and have wrestled with them ourselves. But right. you might be listening, or you might be watching, and you might say, "Hey, you know, I would really like to hear." Um, what your thoughts are about this topic or about this idea or this cultural phenomena or yeah. this aspect of faith or theology or whatever. And so we have created an opportunity or a, a pathway for you to do that. Um, it's a mailbag and yeah. um, it's a really easy, it's a phone number that you text and we get those texts um, not to our personal phones, but you know, yes. we, we get, we, <laughs> we get those, we get those texts. And then um, when we have a, when we have a full, Mailbag, whatever that means, we'll we'll break it out and we'll, um, in an uncut way, without without having you know prepared ahead of time extraordinarily or anything like that, we'll deal with those questions and try and get some of those things answered for you, at least in the best way that we know how. Uh, so that's that number. Um, if you'd like to send a question to the mailbag, is seven one six two zero one zero five zero seven. And uh, we'll keep your name uh, anonymous unless you want us to say who you are, give you a shout out online or something like that. Yeah. But um, as you're listening to this, if you find it to be helpful or beneficial, or if you just want, um, if you just want more people on your team to flame us away for um, everything that we've said today, make sure you like and share um, this on your social media. Subscribe in all the places that you listen: YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Share it with your friends and your family. Uh, we appreciate you spending the time to be with us today. Mm -hmm. and and um, listening to this use of technology to proclaim things of the gospel that we just talked about for a whole episode. So thank you. Yeah, we'll see you all next time on the Uncut Podcast. <laughs>